Blog Talk Radio. You're listening to Funky Monkey MMA. Welcome back to another edition of Funky Monkey MMA. I'm Kane Miller. Our guest today is a mixed martial arts veteran with over 100 professional wins. He has competed in organizations such as Pride, Pancrase, the WEC, and Kings of the Cage. Please help me welcome Shannon Rich. Shannon, thank you for being here. Hey, man. Thanks a lot for having me in there. Funky Monkey. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. Uh, Well, first off, I would like to get your thoughts on some big news that happened recently. Obviously, recently MMA was officially legalized in New York. For someone who's been in the sport for so long, such as yourself, can we hear what you have to say about the bill finally being passed? You know, to me, man, it doesn't even really matter because MMA has come and gone. Uh, it's gotten big without New York. They didn't want to support us then. Then, then now once uh, MMA is all big, then now they're they're finally going to support it. So to me, it's no big deal, man. Fighters aren't going to make any more money. Um, the New York fans will finally, you know, maybe be able to get to see some of their, their favorite fighters fight, maybe Madison Square Gardens. You know, that'd be kind of cool. But, you know, MMA as a whole, it's no big deal that New York uh, finally accepted us. Uh, we were we were doing it before them, and we're going to do it after them. Oh, well, yeah, that's actually a pretty interesting point. I mean, you know, you've been – in the sport for so long, like we said, I mean, 100 wins, you're, I believe, only one of three people to have that accomplishment on a professional level. And so, yeah, I mean, it did get pretty popular without New York, but do you think that being legalized in the state, do you think that it might bring in some more fans? Do you think it's going to bring in more attraction or anything like that? Or do you just think it's pretty much going to stay at the level that it's at right now? It's going to stay the level where it's at now. I mean, it's not going to bring any more fans. I mean, the fans that are MMA fans are MMA fans. If they were in New York, they were watching the pay-per-views. Um, is it going to be bringing more fans in? I, I doubt it, man. You know what? New York, what, what do they have? Madison Square Gardens, maybe a couple other arenas. But, uh, you know, uh, MMA is the mecca in Vegas, California, Phoenix. Um, I would say Texas has a big, big following. Um, you know, having it in New York, I don't think it's a big deal, to be honest with you. Oh, wow, yeah. So talking about getting fans and things like that, do you still follow the sport pretty regularly? Sure, I mean I, I'm a huge fan, MMA fan. I, I I watch the pay-per-views. I, you know, I get together with my students, and you know, we we have our favorite fighters, and we like to watch them fight. Well, of course, yeah. And uh, like you said, do you have any uh, specific favorite fighters that are currently fighting right now? Man, I like the Diaz brothers, Nick and Nate Diaz. I like <laughs> Misha Tate. I'm a big fan, a big fan of uh, um, just just a lot of the, the guys that really don't get the big recognition. I mean, I'm a Brian Caraway fan. A lot of people don't like him. And, they they talk negative about him, but man, I, I think the kid's out there. He's he's out there pushing. He's fighting tough. I like another kid named uh, Anthony Burchek. I mean, he's new to the UFC. Mm-hmm. A lot of people don't really know him, but I mean, the kid is super tough. He was a W. He was a champion in Canada. 
Um, I'm a huge Henry Cejudo fan, Henry Cejudo Olympic gold medalist. I actually trained with you, Henry, um, at Fight Ready in Scottsdale. Um, watch what this kid's going to do, man. I'm telling you, he's gonna, he, he possibly will be the new champion. Yeah, I mean, being a, a Diaz Brothers fan and Misha Tate fan, UFC 196 must have been uh, uh, pretty good for you then. Oh, it was huge, man. I, I told everybody that I thought Misha would win, and I knew that, that Nate was going to win. And the guys that listened to me, they bet, and they won big. So, I mean, it was kind of cool. Now, now you uh, you got involved in the sport uh, back in 1991, you know, way before mixed martial arts was a term. Describe to us point in time how it was, you know, perceived. Yeah, back in 1991. Now, this predates the UFC and what everybody knows about MMA, mixed martial arts. At the time, it was called NHB, no holds barred. It was bare-knuckle fighting. There was no rules, no rounds, no weight classes, anybody fighting anybody. Um, mainly, it was disciplines versus discipline because at that time, I mean, you didn't really have a mixed uh, kind of guy. You might have a guy that knew karate. You might have a guy that knew boxing. You might have a guy that knew wrestling. You might not have a guy that knew judo. Um, and it's not like the guys now that know everything. So, I mean, when I first started fighting, we were going down to Mexico, doing a lot of these bare-knuckle fights down in Mexico, and they would have the chickens fight. They would have the dogs fight, and then the people would fight. And by the time the people were fighting, man, half the crowd was drunk. I mean, they were bringing in these uh, professional boxers from Mexico to fight you know, the guys that wanted to fight. And, you know, there was just a handful of us fighting from America. We'd go down there, and predominantly we were all wrestlers. And uh, the fight would start. We'd shoot a double leg, get a rear choke, and the guy would either pass out or tap out. And, uh, I mean, honestly, that's probably how I won. My 25, 26 of my first fights were just beating up boxers. I had no idea what the ground game was all about. Being a a fighter myself, uh, and you've been in for a long time, you've seen the evolution of training. For you, what was it? How were you able to stand in the game so long? Like, uh, for you, how did your training go? How did you do to protect yourself? Because that's where a lot of injuries take place. Uh, what were some things that you've done over the years that, I guess, change your training and, and kind of take it to the next level? Well, one thing I did is I, I actually learned every discipline. I mean, I learned how to box. I learned how to kickbox. I learned how to do Muay Thai. I learned how to do karate. I learned how to do jiu-jitsu. Um, and, and, and just putting it all together. So, I mean, there's a lot of guys that would try to do these things back. We're talking back in the day before you have these mixed martial arts gyms now that practice everything. But at that time, I was actually trying to learn every discipline and then put it all together. And another thing is, you know, just don't take the punishment. I would be in a fight and, you know, some people said I was in the quick tap, tap club, you know, make fun of you or whatever. But I'll tell you what, anybody that steps in the cage, they have my respect and they have heart. Um, a lot of people dogged on me and, you know, gave me a hard time because I would be in a fight getting the shit kicked out of me and getting a bad spot, and I tapped out. To me, that's how I survived the last 25 years and been able to continue to fight is I wasn't like an incident way where I just got my brains beat in. Um, even though I was going to lose the fight, I just didn't keep getting punched in the head for the inevitable to happen of losing the fight. I knew I was going to lose. I knew I was in a no-win situation. I was getting my head pounded in. So I just tapped out. Um, to me, there was no shame in tapping out. It was He was better than me at that time. He had a better day. He caught me in a submission or he caught me in a, you know, in a, in a good a good uh, uh, position. I'll give you an example. I was fighting Extreme Challenge 21 in Haywood, Wisconsin against a Dennis Hallman, UFC veteran. Dennis wrapped my arm around my neck, mounted me, and, and uh, started elbowing me in the face, punching me in the face, you know, 20 unanswered punches. I finally tapped out. I couldn't get out of it. So to me, there was no shame in tapping out. 
That's why there's a tap out in the sport. That's why it's in the rules. If you're getting a bad spot, tap out. Live another day. Don't get your head smashed in and get a concussion and, and have brain damage. To me, I see guys doing that, and I'm just like, man, that guy's going to have a long road ahead of him when he gets older. And I completely agree. I mean, you're obviously going into the sport, you know it's a, it's a contact sport. You know you're going to, you know, sustain damage, but you, you have to be smart about it as well. You know, one thing that stands out to me is on the, the jiu-jitsu aspect of you have some people who they don't want to tap whether it be from a choke or an arm lock or whatever. And I don't understand that because, I mean, yeah, you're going to lose uh, from that lock, but why take unnecessary damage? Why go to sleep uh, losing brain cells and, you know, putting your fans and family um, and that kind of see, seeing you in that state? Or why not tap to an arm bar and, and, you know, have your arm break or, you know, dislocated joints and things like that? I definitely feel it's unnecessary, and people should tap and, and not – the whole, you know, go out like a soldier or warrior, whatever it is that some people say, I think that's just stupid. Yeah, and, and another thing, too, is back, back in the early days, man, I was fighting every single weekend. I mean, I was one of the first professional MMA fighters. I mean, a lot of people say they're a pro MMA fighter, but I actually made a living. I put bread on the table by fighting every single weekend. A lot of people have an extra job. They work construction or they're a police officer or a fireman or, you know, they're a school teacher. They, they got a job. Me, my job was fighting. So if I fought on Friday and you got me in an arm bar and I didn't tap and you broke my arm, well, then that put me out for six months. I, how was I going to make a living? So if you got me in the arm bar and you were starting cranking it and I couldn't get out, then I just tapped. And then guess what? Saturday, I could still fight. Sunday, I could still fight. I mean, you got to remember, too, back in those days, we were fighting three, four times a night. You know, you were in a 16-man tournament. You were in an eight-man tournament. You were in a four-man tournament. You had to fight two, three times in one night. So if you took that, that kind of damage, um, how could you do that? You couldn't. So that's, that's my mentality of it, you know. Uh, like you said, some people are saying, wow, that's not a warrior mentality. No, mine was I'm a professional athlete. I need to fight next weekend or I need to fight in two weeks or I need to fight in three weeks. Um, so I had to stay healthy. I had to, I had to keep fighting because that's how I made my living. Do you feel that attributes to, you know, your length of your career? Yeah, absolutely, because if I was one of these guys, you know, like, you know, let's let's just say an incident way for for an example, if I were to take every fight and take the damage that some of these guys take, um, I wouldn't have the career that I've had. I wouldn't have over 100 wins. I wouldn't have 206 fights. I don't – there's no way that my body could sustain that much damage. So I, I thought being – I was a smart fighter. Yeah, yeah, of course, because that is something that many people don't think about, you know, when they get into the sport. It's obviously very taxing on their physique. And so when you can have that mindset like you did, I mean, you're able to compete at such a high level for so long, but, I mean, it hasn't really taken too much of a toll on you in the long run. Oh, don't get me wrong. I've got some bumps and bruises and some, some strange, you know, torn shoulders, torn knees, lower back problems. I mean, I was 25 years of MMA training it's, and fighting. It's, it's definitely paid its toll. But, again, I think I was smart about it. I mean, now the money's there. Um, you're not fighting every single weekend. Now we, have, we fight, like, you know, once every couple months. You know, you may fight three, maybe four times a year. So now it's like it, I, 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 I get paid enough to where if I have to take the damage, then I will take the damage because I don't want to lose. Now it's about winning. Um, if you go out and you lose a bunch of fights in a row now, no one's going to hire you. They want to see winners. Everybody, you're only as good as your last fight. So now the whole mindset's changed. Now it's like, hey, let's go in there, let's go to war. 
Um, if the fight has to go three five-minute rounds or if it has to go five five-minute rounds and you're getting shit kicked out of you, you have to sustain that ass-kicking and try to get the win because, you know, no one's going to hire you again if, if you go out and you lose. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, you know, like you said, in the long run, I feel like it, it did help you in, in many ways because looking through uh, your Decipher profile, you appear to be a pretty busy guy. Along with fighting, you've also done acting, motivational speaking, and being a celebrity bodyguard, just to name a few things. So you obviously have a lot going on. Uh, having such a full schedule, how do you make time for all of that? Man, my life is a whirlwind, and I'm not even kidding you, man. It is, it's jam-packed. Every day is something else. It's an adventure. Um, I'm ex-military. Um, I, I, I do uh, celebrity bodyguarding. I also do corporate bodyguarding. I also do bodyguarding for the State Department. I was in Iraq. I was a bodyguard for the United States ambassador in Iraq. I'm a bodyguard for Coleman Powell, Condoleezza Rice, Donald Rumsfeld. High-profile people. And then turn around, I have a Brazilian jiu-jitsu school called Canon BJJ. So every day I'm at the gym training my students. And then on the side note, I also do some acting. I've been on, you know, different different shows. I Carly, Top Walker, Texas Ranger, Numbers, CSI Las Vegas. Been in a couple movies. And then I go on tours where I go and talk to the military bases. I do defensive tactics training. I do weapon retention, weapon takeaways. I go out with America 300. We go out and we talk to the troops all over the world, and then on top of that, I go out and do seminars. I just got back from Russia. I did a two-week uh, work detail where I was in Russia for two weeks, and I, I did a couple seminars there, and we did press conferences. We did TV shows, and then I just signed with Fight Alliance, so not only am I going to be doing fights in Russia, but now I'm going to be doing TV and movie deals over there. Tomorrow, I have Oleg Taktarov, uh, the Russian bear, coming to my gym. We're doing a seminar there, and uh, you know I'm going to work with Oleg. We're going to go back to Moscow and He's going to give me some introductions to uh, some movie people and TV people in Russia. So, yeah, my my life is definitely busy, man. I'm I'm doing something all the time. Right on. And uh, you've been all over the world. What would you say is your favorite place to travel to? Oh, you know, I'm going to have to say Hawaii. Man, I like Hawaii. <laughs> I like anywhere with a beach, okay? I'm, I, I live in the desert of Phoenix, Arizona. We've got a lot of beach here, but we don't have the ocean. So I'm a huge ocean fan, man. I love the ocean. I like... Hawaii, I like Puerto Rico, I like uh, Singapore, I like Thailand. Thailand has some of the best beaches down in Phuket. It's beautiful there. I love Mexico, going to Tampico or Cancun or uh, Puerto Penasco, uh, Rocky Point. Dude, I, lo- I just love the beach. Anywhere I can go where there's a beach, I'm, I'm a happy guy. Never go wrong with that. You, you brought this up in the interview, and you told us before the interview as well um, that you just signed a huge deal, a huge movie, TV, and fight deal with Fight Alliance in Russia. Can we get uh, a bit more details on the, on these upcoming projects in terms of what people can expect the content to be like? Well, you know, over in Russia, there's, uh, you know, we they, they have movies, they have TV shows and stuff. So I'll play the American bad guy. Um, that's pretty much going to be my role, the American bad guy. Um, <laughs> Sophie Wolf and Igor Dimidov, um, they signed me with Fight Alliance, so they're my agents. So pretty much... Uh, they're going to work to try to get me on TV shows, um, and TV deals, and movie deals. They have one show, like America, they have We Have Cops. You guys ever watch that cop show? Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay, so they have their version of cops over there where uh, they're, they're filmed. They go in and they see uh, the merchants, like, you know, at, at like a Circle K or a Walmart or something, a liquor store, where they're selling alcohol and cigarettes to minors. And so that they got the cameras rolling and they've bust them for selling, you know, alcohol to kids. 
and then I come in and I start yelling at the guys, hey, how can you do this? And if a fight breaks out, well, then the fight breaks out. So they have their version of cops. They want to put me on that show. Um, we're in negotiations right now for that. So, um, yeah, that, just, just, some, just some, some cool stuff coming up in the future. Oh, yeah, sounds awesome, man. You know, talking about your acting, would you say that have any, like, dream projects or anything like that that you would like to do in the future, something that maybe you've always wanted to work on with your acting and then you just uh, haven't had the time to do it yet? Well, it's really it's really fickle, man. You know, I'm friends with some, some big-name celebrities in, 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 the, in the acting world. Is, uh, you're, you're, you're frowned upon if you call your buddies and say, hey, can you get me on a project? So you kind of got to go through the audition screenings. You got to, you got to keep your name out there. I mean, one of my big deals is I'd love to do an action movie. Um, I like the rock. I think the rock's a badass. I'd like to do a movie with him or, uh, just some kind of action movie. You know, that's, that's my dream, but you know, is that going to happen? Who knows? You know, who knows? It's, 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 uh, it's, again, it's that, it's that audition process. You got to be in front of the right people at the right time. It's a lot of the times who, you know, you know, so we'll see what happens. Now, would you say you uh, prefer fighting, or do you prefer acting more? <laughs> well, of course, man. I like acting more. Acting is, is not getting punched in the face for real. Um, I mean, I, I, don't get me wrong. I love to fight. But, man, after 25 years of fighting everywhere, anywhere, anyone, and, you know, I've been all over the world, um, you know, I'm ready to I'm ready probably to kick it down a notch. And uh, probably you, you probably will only see me for the next couple of years doing some fighting, and then, you know, I'm going to really transition into acting. I think that's the next uh, next big thing on my list. Has anything, I guess, your your previous martial arts training, roommate training, has that helped you at all in on the, in the acting world? Oh, absolutely, yeah, yeah, definitely. A lot, you know, a lot of times they want to see high flying kicks. They want to be able to see your, you know, your jujitsu uh, submissions, uh, the flying arm bars, the flying triangle. They they like some of the stunt coordinators like to see that high fancy kind of stuff. So yeah, my martial arts background has definitely helped me with that for sure. Now, when it's about 10 minutes before your fight, you know, you're backstage and you hear the crowd out there roaring, what's going through your head in that moment? <laughs> I just want to put on a good show, man. You know, I've had over 200 fights. I still get nervous like it's my very first fight. I, um, you know, I pace around the back. I uh, I go over what's in my mind. Like, you know, I, I, want to, I want to know what's my first reaction. Am I going to come out with a leg kick? Am I going to come out with a jab punch? Am I going to come out with a one-two? Am I going to shoot? Um, it just all depends, you know. It, it's a... It's, uh, it's a roller coaster of emotions, I'll tell you that. So prior to the fight, man, it's just a bundle of nerves, and it's um, you know you're just waiting for them to, to call your name so you can go out there and get to work. Yeah, yeah. And uh, speaking of that, you um, your last fight uh, wasn't too long ago, correct? It was uh, March 20th. Yeah, I just fought Sunday night. Uh, last Sunday, I fought fought in a show, and that was an amazing show. I mean, Roy Jones Jr. was the main event as a pro boxer versus another pro boxer. Then we had Kurt Angle versus Rey Mysterio in a professional wrestling match. Then we had Chael Sonnen versus Michael Bisbee in a submission grappling match. And then I laid it off with the uh, professional MMA fight against a guy named Harvey Maverick out of California, who's actually on the TV show um, Storage Wars. So, you know, he's a reality yeah, star. Really? But he's also a fighter. I mean, he, he's actually beat me two times previous. And uh, I choked him out the first round um, Sunday night. So, yeah, I got a win. Oh, awesome. Yeah, man. Glad to hear that you got the win there. Your nickname's the Cannon. How did that come about? Hey, early on in my career, you know, I was saying I was fighting in Mexico a lot of the times. Well, one of the events, uh, one of the promoters was looking down, and I don't know what he was doing, but some paperwork or whatever. They called my name. We, as soon as the bell rang, I pretty much beat the guy in under like five, six seconds of the fight, knocked him out. And the promoter looked up, and he said, what happened? And his friend told him, uh, it looked like that guy got shot out of a cannon. 
hence the name mm-hmm. Shannon the Cannon. Um, uh, fighting, you know, just so fast and furious. So uh, the name stuck, the Cannon, Shannon the Cannon. Before we get out of here, if you want to throw out any sponsors or, you know, anything you want to shout out. Yeah, man, I want to give a give a shout out to Decipher for uh, for their fight management. I want to shout out to Fight Alliance over in Russia. I want to shout out to Brian Moore for Legend of the Cage. Uh, Brian Moore, man, the guy works harder than anybody I know, man. He uh, He's out there getting people fights. He's getting sponsors for people. He um, he brings the legends of MMA all together, so they do a lot of good stuff. So if you guys ever look up Legends of the Cage, check out Brian Moore, man. He's got some good stuff. Uh, big shout-out to uh, Kickskin, uh, MMA Gear, and also um, Hayabusa. So uh, you guys can get me on CanonBJJ.com. If you've got any questions, man, I'm always there to answer questions, take pictures, sign autographs. Um, also book me for seminars, you know, high-level black belt Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, a man with over 100 wins. Anybody wants uh, to book the Canon, just give me a call. Find uh, all that contact information on a Decipher page, correct? Yeah, Decipher page has it on there. All right, yeah, yes. Yeah, so if you want to hit him up for a booking, just make sure to go to his profile. All of his contact information will be there. All right, well, Shannon, uh, it was an honor to have you on the show, and we look forward to seeing what you have planned for the future. All right, buddy, you guys take it easy, man. Funky monkey. <laughs> awesome, man. Thank <laughs> you. And that was MMA veteran Shannon Rich. Guys, thank you for tuning in. I want to thank Rob Mead and Mike Jackson for helping me co-host. Mike, where can people find you at? Man, you can definitely find me on my website at MikeTheTruth.com. Find all the the blogs and articles and photos that I post. But as far as social media, uh, Twitter, Instagram, at TheTruthJackson, and on Facebook, MikeTheTruthJackson. Awesome. And uh, Rob, where can people reach you? People want to follow me on Twitter, they can check me out at RobMeadMMA. Or, uh, you know, follow Funky Monkey at Funky Monkey MMA and uh, check out our website. As always, make sure to like us on Facebook. As Rob said, make sure to follow us on Twitter at Funky Monkey MMA. Make sure to follow me on Twitter at KD Miller and keep up with the site for the latest interviews and analysis pieces. We'll see you next time. You can listen to Funky Monkey MMA Radio on iTunes, Stitcher Radio, Blog Talk Radio, Player FM, Cash Roller, the TuneIn Radio app, MMAFutures.com, LoveMMA.com, MMARecords.com, and FightBookMMA.com. Funky Monkey Radio is sponsored by Altercation Clothing. If you never back down, then you're ready for an altercation. For the freshest news and notes on all things MMA, get over to FunkyMonkeyMMA.com. Interested in sponsoring the show? Then send an email to FunkyMonkeyMMA at gmail.com. You're listening to Funky Monkey MMA. MMA fans, are you looking for something to set you apart? Then check out AltercationClothing.com. Altercation Clothing is a brand with attitude, offering fans and fighters alike a variety of specialty shirts. If you won't back down, then you're ready for an altercation. Altercation Clothing can be found on Facebook at Facebook.com slash Altercation Clothing. Altercation Clothing is a proud sponsor of Funky Monkey MMA Radio. You're listening to Funky Monkey MMA.